Do you ever struggle to embrace all that you are and can be as a woman? Well, in today's interview, we will discuss details that will help you set yourself up for success. Hi, my name is Trina Glines, and this is Elevate Your Marriage and Life podcast. This podcast is for those who want to create happiness daily, even among the chaos that marriage and family life will bring. Get ready to elevate your marriage and life today. Today, we are so lucky to be learning from Dr. Jennifer Finlinson-Fife. She is a PhD in psychology and has a passion for helping women to connect to who they really are as a whole woman. This interview was done over a webinar, so please be patient with any audio imperfections that it might have. But Jennifer currently lives in Chicago with her husband and three children. She has her own private practice as well as sell as she sells several online courses. This is a two-part interview. Next week will be part two in which we will focus more on women's sexuality. This is actually a specialty of Jennifer's. But today we are going to focus more on our marriage relationship and how we can strengthen ourselves as women and wives. So thank you, Jennifer, so much for agreeing to this interview. I know I have several women that are so excited. I've gotten several questions from them as they've listened to some podcasts that you passed to me and I passed to them. So I'm excited to get their questions answered. And um, I, I love the work that you're doing. I feel like it is so pertinent and it's so needed. And I love how you talk about, we need to be um, connected with our sexual part of us, our sexual being to be a whole woman. And so we're going to talk about quite a bit of that today, but um, we're first going to kind of dive into a little bit on um, a relationship basis, on having a good relationship with our spouses. And so I'll just dive into some of these questions and then we'll let it take us where we're going. Right. (laughs) So um, I found that a lot of times we assume that our husbands are a version of us. And that's how we tend to approach circumstances Mm -hmm. with our husbands. And that's one of the things that I work on with women is helping them understand we speak totally two different languages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to just ask you how you felt this shows up in couples that you work with and what kind Mm -hmm. of influence this has on our assumptions as women that our men should react and act and do things the way we do them. Do you find that mm-hmm. out? Um, I, I do. Um, and I maybe think about it slightly differently than the way you're saying it. But I guess what I would say is we want for our spouses to be reflections of ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and men want this also mm-hmm. because we want to think of ourselves as loving people and then do whatever is comfortable for us. Mm-hmm. And so because we want that, because most of us resist the growth that marriage is going to pressure upon us. So I think that growth is uncomfortable and we, we resist it. We resist expanding our capacity to really love another person. I think we resist knowing another person because of the ways that it, it uh, challenges us to be better people. Mm-hmm. So I think the love language idea is valuable because it helps us to recognize 
what we tend to do, what our spouse tends to want. But I think it's not really a true idea that we are well-intentioned and just missing each other. Mm-hmm. I think what it really is, is we want the other person to be like us so we don't have to stretch. Mm-hmm. And I think really what marriage in its best form does is it stretches us and it helps us to be more people, more capable of really caring for another person in all of their difference. Yeah, I like that. I actually really like that concept. I, I believe that is so true. And when I listen to your perfection, uh, talking about perfectionism podcast, um, a lot of that really resonated with me. And I love how you talk about the need to develop that as humans, that's what we're here for is to yes. And so in our marriage relationships, we should desire right? To want to develop a stronger connection, which would mean understanding him, understand her. Yes, that's right. That's awesome. Um, So what's your opinion on couples that say, oh, this is as good as it's going to get. I'm just going to settle. What's the long term consequences to that? Well, I do think there's room for acceptance in a marriage of another person and kind of recognizing who they are and not not resenting them for how they're different from you. Um, But I think that when we just kind of throw up our hands and say it's never going to get better, oftentimes what we're doing is we're also letting ourselves off the hook. And we're doing it in the name of putting up with our annoying spouse. Okay, kind of we take a sort of self-righteous position like I'm I would be fully capable of a good marriage except for you. And we like that idea because it allows us to mask how we participate in a bad marriage. Now, I'm not saying everybody in an unhappy marriage is a equal participant in a bad marriage, but oftentimes we're doing things that sustain and um in a sense, give our spouse the excuse to keep living in an indulgent or low-level way. We have a kind of, you know, something you can think is, how do I make it easy for my spouse to do the things that they do that bother me, Mm -hmm. right? How do I make it easy for them to feel justified in it? Mm. What are the things that I do that would be hard to live with? Yeah. Because it's, you know, you can't control your partner as much as we might want to. <laughs> we can control ourselves. And most of us use the fact that we can't control our spouse or get them to be who we want them to be to, to not get a hold of ourselves. And um, I think that that um, is indulgent on our part. And I think, you know, when we promise to love someone in marriage, usually what we are actually saying is I promise to love you as long as you love me first and love me better. (laughs) And when you really promise to love someone, you're saying through thick and thin, through better and worse, you know, I am going to really deal with my limitations to be a good friend to you, to really care about you, even when you're making me upset. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about being a doormat. I'm talking about really caring for someone even when they're frustrating you or doing the hard work of creating a good marriage. You can only control your half, but when you do control your half and you do function at a higher level, you do pressure your spouse to do similarly because they're no longer justified in their position. 
Yeah. Yeah, because I've heard this, and in all my studying, I've heard this several times, that it only takes one person to change your relationship around. Yes, because you change the dynamic of it, you know. Okay. It's, a, you, you know, um, Harriet Lerner writes a few books, The Art of, I'm sorry, no, she writes um, The Dance of Anger and The Dance of Intimacy. And this is very much the frame she talks in, which is that it takes two to dance. And so if you're not doing the old steps, if your spouse is going to keep dancing with you, they have to change their steps. Mm, okay. Oh, I like yeah. that. And what was her name? Harriet Lerner, L-E-R-N-E-R. -E -E and she writes The Dance of Intimacy and the dance of anger. Okay. Both two excellent books. Oh, great. Those are great. So if you have a client and she's wanting to work on herself, but her husband has zero interest, what would you would encourage her to keep working on what she has control over? Absolutely. Okay. Even for her own sake. I mean, I, I teach, I have these online courses and I've had a lot of people write and say to me, you know, I bought these courses because I was so aware of how my spouse needed to change. Then I went through them and all I could focus on was all the things that I was doing that I had been blind to. And that just starting to really confront themselves and deal with their own negative behaviors that often we're easily, we, we have a hard time seeing ourselves accurately, actually. And so starting to face yourself and deal with it starts to change the marriage. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was saying to a client this morning, I think you need to be kinder to your husband. She was saying, I need to do that because he needs that from me. And I said, he may need that from you, but more importantly, you need to do that for your sake mm -hmm. because you're not living up to your best self. You feel bad about yourself mm -hmm. and you owe it to yourself to live up to your own values, almost irrespective of the impact it has on your spouse. Because it's, you know, that she was saying, I'm greedy. And I was saying, you know, you owe it to yourself to not live in a greedy way. Yeah. Because you don't think it's respect worthy. Yeah. That would mm -hmm. certainly help with the guilt level that we Absolutely. are so good at carrying. Yes. Right. And we as women carry a kind of guilt that is about, oh, I'm such a failure. I'm such a loser. I'm not. But it's not a kind of pro-social constructive guilt often. I think guilt is actually a virtue if it leads you to move into better action. Yes. If it's like, I feel bad about the fact that I'm taking advantage of my husband, or I'm not really choosing him wholeheartedly, then I would say, then you owe it to yourself to do differently in your marriage. That's a kind of guilt that pushes you forward and into higher functioning. Mm -hmm. And so it's a virtue. But if you just like living in guilt... And you get to feel like, oh, I'm just a failure, but you take a kind of perverse comfort in feeling like a failure, like many of us do, then there's no virtue in that guilt. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. I like how you've brought that together where guilt can be a positive thing if it's yes. forward and a forward intention that's going to help you create um, a happier place for you, even right. if the other isn't changing. Right. Um, yeah, I, I believe as women, we have a lot of power in our relationships. Absolutely, we do. For good or bad. <laughs> Absolutely, we do. Right. And that moral, moral conscience is a great thing. Chronic self-flagellation is not. Yes. All right. So I'm talking about moral conscience drives you forward. 
and drives you to do things. You know, the woman this morning was saying, I feel awkward telling my husband I love him. And I'm like, there are worse things than feeling awkward, mm. right? Loving him and caring about him, living up to your own values is more important than how you feel in the moment. Yeah. The feelings of peace with yourself come after the reaching into something that's unfamiliar to you. Mm -hmm. like and a lot of us grow up in families where we learn to kind of be in a kind of self-hating position. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's familiar and pushing ourselves to function at a higher level feels awkward, but that's okay because that's what it takes to move into a way of relating to others um, differently and in a way that, w that gives us greater peace. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. Because even you know, in those moments that I know I've reacted wrong, I've done something, react. Yeah, just acted totally off of my cuff, mm -hmm. and make myself go through that uncomfortableness. Yes. Say, hon, I'm really sorry. I did not mean to come across that way. And then afterwards, that peace does come. Like, oh, that was. Yes. You know, but if I don't go there, if I don't push myself there, yes. Then when resentments start to build, the anger builds, I go inside yes. my box, nothing good. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, somebody whose work I follow closely is uh, Dr. David Schnarch, and one of the things he says is there's no peace without integrity. Mm. So we will resist it because it's uncomfortable. I don't want to apologize. I don't want to deal with my bad part in this. He had a bad part too or whatever it is, but we're never at peace when we do that. And if we will take care of our part, at least we're at peace. Yes, yes. And so, you know, you owe it to yourself to stretch yourself towards what you believe is decent and fair and right mm -hmm. in your marriage, in your relationships, because that's where you find self-respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so true. I like that a lot. The client I was working with this morning struggles with beating herself up and pushing her through that point. And this will, mm. be, this will be so helpful for. Great. Um, in one of your podcasts, the one that you talk about, um, oh, actually, no, this one was a different one. This is one where you talk about intimacy and you had come out and did a seminar here in Utah somewhere and realized how challenging it is for women to receive. Yes. And that's a big one that we work on. Um, yes. The comment you made, you made a comment that really stuck out to me that as women, we like the control as the giver. Yes. And that we are needed and necessary. And that's where we get our sense of self. Yes. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Sure. And let me start by saying, I don't actually think that's giving. Mm -hmm. And we're calling it giving when it's about managing our own sense of self in our relationships. We're managing our sense of self by trying to feel important, as you said, necessary, indispensable. Mm -hmm. And it kind of fosters our self-righteousness and our resentment at the same time. And it, it's a way of kind of keeping ourselves out of intimate contact with another person. So even though it looks good, and I think culturally, many of us have been... Um, inducted into that frame of that's what goodness is as a woman as she gives and gives and gives and gives and never asks for anything there is a kind of safety in it because it's low contact and it's self-important and so it's um 
I really think a true giver and true receiver are reciprocal positions. You can't be good at one without being good at the other. Meaning there are a lot of people that are takers. That's not the same thing as being a receiver. Okay. A receiver is you actually take in the goodness. You acknowledge the goodness that's around you. It's, it's about being willing to say that someone has a positive impact on you and letting them have a positive impact on you and letting them know that they have a positive impact. That for people feels very exposing and low control. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, under, I do believe that some people won't receive because they like the control of not receiving. I also think some people don't like to receive because it means you have to expand your sense of self in order to receive. Mm-hmm. You have to tolerate feeling worthy of it. Mm-hmm. And I remember in my own marriage in the, in the beginning years of it, knowing that I had married a really good person and knowing that he really did love me and wanting in some ways to, to see it reduce it in a way. Mm. to kind of reduce what was there because then I felt more in control of it. Mm. And I remember really recognizing it wasn't decent to do that and that I had to open my heart up and kind of take in the goodness that was there and expand my sense of self as being worthy of it and really let him give to me, Mm -hmm. let him love me and to receive it and acknowledge it and acknowledge the positive impact he had on my life, that it was both good for him and me. And the more deeply you receive, the more generous you are because you see the goodness that's being offered, not because you're entitled to it, but because someone is loving and kind enough to offer it, even the universe, the beauty that's around us, to receive the beauty of, the, of nature, to receive the nurturing of food, to receive sleep, to receive all these good things in our life is in a sense to step out of entitlement and control and to let it impact us for good while acknowledging the positive. It doesn't mean we're dependent on the, meaning if my husband were to betray me or to, to die, heaven forbid, you know, uh, I could sustain my life. I don't need my husband in that sense, but he deeply blesses my life. And so it's a way of acknowledging you have a real impact on me, which is different than can I sustain myself if I had to? Yes, I could. But he deeply impacts me. And to let that be alive between us is fundamental to receiving. I like that. Do you feel that for men, because men are um, what I've studied, are they're natural protectors and providers. They want yes provide for us yes and when we aren't willing to receive from that that probably hits them deeper than we realize yes it does one of the things my husband said to me one time is he said I appreciate how deeply you receive from me Mm. right because the it's the receiver and the received right it's like to be received is a form of giving right? Because it's saying you matter. You bless my life. And my husband really does. And I, you know, I, he, he gives me, uh, so much. So I think that first of all, I think we've constructed men's sexuality often as being a negative thing Mm -hmm. that men are sexual and they're, they're, they're brutes and we have to put up with them. And if we put up with them, that makes us virtuous women. 
And I think it's really the wrong way to see sexuality for men and women. Men can be brutes, okay? Let's be clear that there are some men that exploit with their sexuality. But to have that be a starting paradigm is unfair, I think. I think we need to see men's sexual nature as a capacity to deeply bless a woman's life, as a way to deeply give, Mm -hmm. to give pleasure, to give uh, nurturance to a woman. Mm -hmm. And not because he needs to be the provider because she's too weak. I think that's a paradigm when we put men up and women down that interferes with intimacy. And many of us do this in our marriage where the man's here and the woman's here. So I don't mean providing out of a place of lack or inequality, but the ability to bless, right? Like men and women that are happily married uh, function as forces for good in the world in in masculine and feminine ways, Mm -hmm. but it's a way of really being able to bless and to be able to receive that goodness is good for both parties. Yeah. Do you feel like receiving a woman that's um, able to receive in a healthy way? Um, does that connect her to her feminine self, being a woman that embraces? Absolutely. Herself? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's a way of feeling like I am worthy of this, mm-hmm. and my be- the beauty of my femininity, my female body, my that that I'm worthy of being loved and blessed and given to. And in, and when you'll receive deeply, you know, your people worry about being selfish or taking to, you're less likely to take when you receive deeply. You live with a greater sense of abundance. You're more in a position to really offer goodness, right? We need each other in that sense. Human beings are wired up to really be in connection. Mm-hmm. And so being able to be strong people you know, we're also, we're wired up to be in connection. We're also wired up to be true to ourselves. And so being the kind of people that can really give and receive deeply is a way of being both true to ourselves and true to one another. Okay. And what, I mean, what does receiving look like to you? Can you give like a situation of, of a woman graciously receiving, um, well, there's, there's, the, there's the non-sexual and there's the sexual. Maybe I'll say in both ways. Okay. I mean, I think in the beginning of my marriage, one of the ways that I took safety, quote unquote, but not really safe, was to kind of take a position of entitlement. I'm entitled to being loved. Mm-hmm. And I never would say that because that would be so unfeminine. <laughs> yes. But I would carry an attitude of like, you know, you're the man, you should, you should accommodate me. If I feel insecure or anxious, then I should prevail because I'm the weaker one. That, but it's an entitled position, right? Mm-hmm. And when I sort of started to grow up and wake up to what I was doing, I think to receive is to say, like, this person chooses to love me mm-hmm. day after day after day. He doesn't have to love me. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he made a commitment at marriage, but it's not a prison cell. Mm-hmm. He's making a choice every day to love me, and I'm grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm undeserving, but because I'm not entitled. Yeah. You see the difference. Yeah. And so when you can acknowledge with gratitude that someone loves you and chooses you, and it's because of their decency and their kindness, and not because you're unworthy that it's such an amazing thing, but because human beings don't have to love each other. Many people are in marriages where there's very little love. And so 
to be able to see that when the goodness that's around you to take it for granted, to assume it should be given to you is to snuff all the joy out of your life. Yeah. You know, I've told this story a few times. I had a landlord when I was in grad school, when I was single, and I, I used to paint the interiors of houses to earn money for, for grad school. And so I painted the interior of her house. And so she talked to me a lot about her husband during that time. And she complained about him and he's not this and he's not that. And he's not. He seemed like a good guy to me, frankly, but you know, I didn't know a lot. Well, not long after that, he was an architect. He was presenting in the middle of his presentation. He collapsed on the floor and died. And because I'd become friends with her, I was then privy to the grieving that she went through. And she had so much grief about the fact she, she appreciated everything he'd offered her life that now she was glaringly aware of now that it wasn't there. And she was grieving for how she had not thanked him or lived with more gratitude and let that gratitude bless their marriage. And so it was a way of getting from him without receiving. Many of us get and take without receiving. And so she would say to me, I'd do anything to go back and to thank him. Because what happened is she didn't let there be any abundance between them. It was like taking hostages was the kind of marriage she was creating with him. And saying everything he gave was, you know, she'd take it, but it was still too little rather than appreciating what our life would be like if it weren't there. And that's one way we can increase our gratitude is what would I lose if this person weren't here? He doesn't have to love me. Yeah. He doesn't have to give to me. Yeah. So he does give to me. And that doesn't preclude us from running our life or from dealing with the things that aren't happening in the marriage. In fact, I think the more we acknowledge the goodness that's there, the more able we are to deal with what we want to change and do better at. So I think that, you know, there's a way of receiving what goodness is there in the form of where you are ungrateful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, sexually, I think you have to see yourself as deserving. I, I, I think you have to let go of the control. I think you have to tolerate letting someone really know you and experience you to really receive. Now, you may also, in receiving, recognize you may be partnered with somebody who's not very generous. So some of us are partnered with a spouse that's very generous, but we don't want to acknowledge that to them. And we know that we are. Others of us, in some ways, would rather be in the kind of guilt, non-receiving, in some ways, as a way of masking from ourselves that we are not partnered with someone who's generous. Mm -hmm. Right? And so sometimes we are afraid to confront what our marriage is, whether it's good or not so good. But I think that many women have husbands who do want to give to them sexually. And there are many ways to receive through even, even a husband bringing his wife to orgasm, for example, takes time, Mm -hmm. takes investment on the husband's part Mm -hmm. and it requires a willingness to receive Mm -hmm. right? And instead of disparaging yourself in this whole frame that I'm taking too long, well, the thing is women's sexuality is different than men's sexuality. Mm -hmm. And it does take time for a woman to become aroused. Mm -hmm. And if you just won't receive that and you're going to disparage it, you're never going to have the kind of sexual experience that you're capable of Mm -hmm. because you're making his reference point as the reference point rather than seeing yourself as a legitimate sexual partner, even if different. Ah, okay. In fact, sexuality that works well in couples is more female-centric. 
and we come from a male-centric paradigm that culturally, and you have to work against that idea mm-hmm. if you're really going to both have satisfying sex. It has to become more female-centric and willingly and happily so. Mm-hmm. This is If men like to give, let them really truly know who their wife is and know what her sexuality desires, not just what theirs desires. And let the woman be willing to make room for her sexuality rather than just accommodating her husband and then thinking she's the good one because she's putting up with him. Yeah. 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 That has a lot of thoughts going on in my head right now. Like how, you know, men want to provide women are giver, 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 giver. So we have to teach her to be willing to receive and how that receiving from him, I mean, I know for my, in my particular relationship, for my husband, he's more concerned during intimacy that I am taking care of than even himself. Yes. I can only imagine how frustrating that would be for him if I wasn't willing to receive that. Absolutely. So there, exactly, there are a lot of husbands I work with who really, really want for their spouse to have a positive experience, but she kind of won't have it. Mm-hmm. And so then there's, you know, they can't, they can't give really because she won't receive. Ladies, isn't Jennifer amazing? I enjoyed visiting with her so much and I look forward to sharing with you next week the rest of our conversation, which is focusing more on women's sexuality and intimacy in our marriages. You're not going to want to miss it, I promise. I hope that you will have a great week. I want to really thank you for joining me today and choosing to be intentional in your marriage and life. Thank you so much.